This is John MacArthur, and I'm thrilled to announce The Essential Church Movie. This feature-length film by Grace Community Church explores the battle between the church and the government throughout history. It is an unforgettable, dramatic reminder of the church's responsibility to stand courageously and faithfully for Christ against all enemies. Go to EssentialChurchMovie.com. That's EssentialChurchMovie.com. Welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a podcast dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Buckaloo. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you for listening or for watching to this podcast. If you're listening for the first time, thank you for joining us on today's episode. We would love to stay in touch with you. And the best way that we can do that is by following us on social media. And you can do that uh, right after this episode by following the links here on the description. And if you would like to continue supporting our podcast, here are some of the ways that you can continue doing that. Uh, please be praying for us and for our guests as they come and share their testimony. You are definitely helping by listening like you're doing right now. And please uh, just share with your friends and family and also on your social media if you are on social media. Uh, you can also subscribe for monthly donations either on a Patreon or uh, the Anchor podcast. Uh, you can find the links here also on the description. All right. So I think that when we can move on to introducing my guest for today, very excited to have our brother John Cooper joining us on the podcast today. John is a musician and maybe some of you guys might know him and recognize him either from his podcast, the Cooper Stuff podcast or the Christian rock band Skillet. He is also the author of Awake and Alive to Truth, which you can actually pre-order now directly from his website. And this book will basically answer some of the most asked questions in modern culture. Also, be on the lookout for his new upcoming book. And this book will be released in November. So if you want to order your uh, a copy, you can just go to johnlcooper.com, johnlcooper.com. And again, find the links here on the description. But I'm very excited for us to get to know John more and hear about how the Lord brought him out of darkness into light. Well, here is my conversation with John. All right, friends. So I am here with my dear brother, John. John, welcome to my podcast and thank you so much for joining me. Hey, it's great to be here. I'm glad we got to do it. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. It's a joy to have you here. I was telling you that I was texting Daryl because Daryl was the uh, the one who connected me with you. We met because of Grace Productions. You helped us doing uh, an Instagram live video with Shannon where you guys were talking about the Essential Church movie. And again, brother, thank you so much for doing that. And so I'm very, very excited to uh, to get to know you. I had seen you on social media, was not really familiar, uh, you know, with uh, uh, with who you are and everything. I knew a lot of my friends were like, what, John? Yes, I know who that is. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? How? They know you and uh, we will find out how. And a lot of people, maybe if they're listening, they might uh, know you also from your podcast or from your band and uh, things like that, right? So that's how my friends also knew you. But I'm very, very grateful to have you on the podcast, brother, and so looking forward to hear your testimony of salvation. Well, thank you. Sounds like you've got some good friends. They, they obviously know what kind of music to listen to. <laughs> right. They're really good people. But yeah, you know, it's great to be here. And, and people don't know who I am. My name is John Cooper. Um, I'm mostly known as a singer for the rock band Skillet. 
And um, I am, of course, a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, so some people, in fact, I keep meeting people recently that say, um, <laughs> I met somebody last week and they said, I love your podcast, but uh, I didn't know that you were a musician. And recently I heard your music and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like your music, but I like your podcast. Oh. <laughs> and I said, good. Keep listening, man. It was really funny. Uh, oh. So, you know, I guess th th these days I'm I am running to some people who mainly know me for my podcast or my you know, I've, I've appeared on Fox News or something like that, talking about current issues, things I feel passionate about, namely about the 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 moral uh, decomposition of the country, you know, a country that really was very much based in Christian values, Christian morality, and mm -hmm. just my belief that if you if you begin to um, ignore the Bible and you ignore the law of God, you ignore what God says about human nature and humanity and marriage and parenting and everything else under the sun, um, you're going to have, oh, you're going to have a, a society that just yeah. devolves into chaos. And that's what we're seeing now. And so lastly, that's why I was happy to have supported the film, The Essential Church, because that's something I felt very passionate. In fact, that's when I got very, very loud on social media about some of the things I believe, because I just believed that what we were seeing was a tyranny of the state and that that, that that is a recipe for Christian persecution, you know, yeah. so that's enough talking for me. <laughs> and you, a, and you had the opportunity to watch the film, right? I Did watched it twice in two days. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you, you sent me a link. It's like, okay, I got this for like 36 hours, I think. <laughs> and I watched it with, with my wife and my, my father-in-law um, oh, okay. uh, who lives with, with us. He's a, he's a pastor. He's sort of, well, he's probably 78. So he's sort of like a, um, what do they call him? Like semi-retired. <laughs> you know, you never really retire when you're a pastor, but um, so he watched it and we were super excited. And then the next night we were getting in the tour bus going to play a show. And I told my, my band, I was like, you've got to see this film. And I still had the link. So we, we watched the film. So uh, yeah. and the last thing I'll say about it is I, I pre-ordered the DVD. I went online to the Essential Church film or movie.com, whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. And I pre-ordered the DVD and we're going to have a uh, we're going to have a, a movie, a movie night at my house in september with uh, no way yeah, from my church that that are of like mind said you got to come watch this film you're going to get pumped up and uh so anyway that's oh enough. my goodness okay i have to say okay we probably need to send you the blu-ray though because the blu-ray will have uh bonus features uh parts of the interviews that we didn't include um in the documentary like scott Alice, oh. you remember all the scientists uh side of the film, it, it was amazing. There was so much information. And Pastor John specifically, he uh, loved the interview that we did with, with Scott Alice. And he's not even a believer, you know. And uh, just to see, I mean, you can see in the film how moved he is by uh, some of the emails that he got from different people. And, uh, I mean, it was just fascinating just to hear, obviously, you know, everything that was happening and the science side of that, you know, not what they were saying on the news. Um, so getting the truth, you know, because that's what they're and they try to silence him because he were he was speaking the truth. And he's like, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to stop speaking the truth. Um, so it, it's fascinating. So, yeah, so the, the Blu-ray will have way more stuff that we couldn't put in the film and oh. and that you can't even put on the DVD because you don't have as much space, you know. So, yeah, just a awesome. <laughs> quick note there for those who are trying to buy the DVD or the Blu-ray. 
But brother, okay, so normally I like to have my guests on the podcast to go as far as they can remember in their their childhood, their upbringing, you know, with their uh, family, um, where you're raised in a believing home. And please feel free to share as much as as you like and as much as you can remember. (laughs) Okay, no problem. Easy. It's super easy for me because my testimony goes back to being a kid. Um, And I'd like to say this so people also know where I'm coming from. So I'm I am married. I've been married for um, 26 years. Um, we have two kids. I have a daughter that's almost 21. I have a son that just turned 18. So um, I, family, parenting, marriage, these are all things that I'm, I'm quite passionate about. And that's very relevant because my testimony goes back to um, a mother who was just passionate about Jesus. I mean, my mom was a, a fanatical Jesus maniac. All right. So um, I remember that, you know, all the way since I, my earliest memories of childhood is my mom praying, uh, my mom teaching us about the Bible. And so I have a brother that's four years older than me. And so that meant, you know, he was going to school, you know, at age five, which means that I was, you know, one. And so it was just my mom's routine before school. She sits down with my older brother. And of course me, I would be in my high chair at the time. Um, and she, we, she would read the Bible. She would explain the Bible. She would pray. She would make my brother pray. <laughs> this is my earliest memories of, of you know, uh, my life. And so I was raised in a Christian home. I gave my life to Jesus. Uh, alone in my bedroom when I was five years old. I always think it's, I love to hear why, the reason I think this is a cool idea for a podcast, what you do, everybody's conversion experience is amazing. It's all unique. It's an incredible thing that's happening, that the God of the universe has set his affection upon you and and begins this process in your life. And uh, every once in a while, Christians, if they don't have a testimony that's like, yeah, I was in drugs and I was whatever. Yeah, I murdered 10 people. And then in prison, you know, I had this conversion experience. Sometimes Christians don't think that they have, they have a great story. Every conversion is an incredible story. And I am so blessed because I had a mom that was faithful and she believed it was her job, her number one job to train her boys in the faith. And so, uh, I gave my life to Jesus alone in my bedroom when I was five. And if I could explain it, it um, I, the best way I could explain it would be, well, first of all, I, I, I'd heard the Bible a whole lot and I, we went to church. I knew Jesus died for me. So in other words, I knew a lot of, it, of information. I understood that I was a sinner and stuff like that, but I was in my bedroom one night alone. And I just had a sense, I don't know how to say it, the words, these words came in my brain. And in my head, these words said, you need to give your heart to Jesus. And I said, oh, okay. I said, Jesus, I give my heart to you. <laughs> and I and I felt like I didn't say enough. And I just said, um, you're, you're the boss. I want you to be the boss of my life. That was That was my way of understanding the Lordship of Christ. He's the boss, what he says goes. And of course that would come because my mom would explain what the Bible meant. What would it meant to be Lord and Savior? Lord, it means he's your, he's the boss. What he says is right. What he says is good. What he says you need to do. That's what it means to fear the Lord, obey his commandments. And so I gave my life to Jesus when I was five years old. 
And I promise you the next day, I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. The next day, my mom sat down with me, actually with my older brother. And she said, John, we want to have a serious talk with you. Um, we want to talk to you about giving your heart to Jesus. <laughs> and I said, I did that in my room last night. And my mom was like, John, all right. Now you don't have to tell stories. Like I did, I gave my heart to Jesus last night. Anyway, um, it's kind of a, for some, maybe a weird story, but um, it's just really important because I think as parents, we need to understand the greatest thing you can do in your life as a parent is to train your children in, in uh, the fear and admonition of the Lord. It's the best thing you can do. Train your children to understand who God is and, and teach teach those kids his ways, teach those kids his laws. I mean, that's the best thing in the world. And that's what my mom did for me. So um, I will make the rest of this short, which is that um, it's not by any means that I lived for Jesus my whole life and I was a radical Jesus follower. That is not the case. In high school, um, I absolutely compromised in my life. I didn't understand a lot of things about what it meant to follow Christ, even though I I learned all these Bible verses as a kid, of course. But I will say, because of the grace of God, I've never questioned my faith. I've never you know, doubted what, if God was real. I haven't doubted my salvation. I've just been so blessed to have walked with God. The last part of the story is that my mom got sick with cancer when uh, I was about 11. So that's sixth grade. My mom fought cancer for about three years off and on. Uh, she had it several times. It kind of she was in remission. Cancer came back again with a vengeance. She died when I was 15. And so that sort of has shaped a lot of the rest of my testimony, learning how to deal with death, learning that God is good, even in the midst of heartache, learning that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to go through disappointments and times when you feel like I, I don't, I don't want to say that you feel God abandoned you, but you feel like Where's God in all of that? How come this happened to someone who loved God so much? She loves you so much. How could you take her? What? You know, and, and I remember the scripture my mom used to say before she died. She'd say, John, she used to always say, uh, I believe I'm going to be healed. But if I'm not healed, <laughs> she would say, uh, you can't get mad at God. God is always good. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love Christ according to his purpose. She would say it to me all the time. But after she died, I would say, God, how is this working for my good? This doesn't feel good to me, man. And so part of the rest of my testimony is coming through that situation with, I think, a higher view of the Lord and his sovereignty and so on and so forth. I've talked too long, but that's my testimony in a nutshell. I love that. And um, just even going back to something that you were saying before, that, you know, a lot of Christians, especially if they're raised in a believing home, they think that they need to have this dramatic story where, like you said, you know, I was a drug addict, I killed this amount of people or this and that. And I remember even inviting some friends and they were like, oh, but, you know, like, I don't have like a testimony like the ones that you've had on your podcast. And I'm like, but did you need Jesus? Did Jesus save you? Is he your Lord and Savior? Yes. Okay, then you do have a testimony. So let's talk, <laughs> you know? So I, I love that you mentioned that um, uh, because it's true. We we have all been saved by, uh, you know, the price, the ultimate price that Christ paid on the cross for our sins. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, right? And uh, I think 
all of us, yes, we have a different story, a different conversion story, but it always points to the same person. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And what an amazing blessing, you know, to know that he will die for someone like me, for someone like us, you know, like why, why would he die? Because he loved us. Um, so I have, to have a quick question. What about uh, your dad? Was he in the picture? Uh, uh, was he a believer sure. also or yeah just... okay yeah i actually thought that when i was talking about my my mom training her boys and you know in the faith uh so yes um my parents uh were together and until my mom died obviously and my dad is, um is a christian he just it just wasn't like his he wasn't he wasn't like fired up about his faith like mm -hmm. my mom was and of course obviously he's working as well and things like that but um my, my mom really would be the one that I, that I would have looked at as someone that was extremely evangelistic. So my mom would tell everybody about Jesus all the time. And then my mom, it was, it was more like just a part of her, her worldview and her everyday life. And that's not to say that it wasn't for my dad. Um, and to be fair, I will say this. I mean, sixth grade, my mom got really, really sick um, with cancer, obviously, um, she had surgery, uh, chemotherapy. I mean, it was so brutal. Um, and we will say cancer, cancer treatment is still brutal. It's just come a long way since the eighties. So, I mean, at that time, I mean, my mom, there was never a day that my mom wasn't sick for, for a year. She was throwing up and vomiting. I mean, it was just such a brutal time that the truth is, I don't remember a lot about those days. Um, um, for whatever reason that may be. So it might not be completely fair, but yes, my dad um, was in the picture, um, but it was really my mom that was passionate about reading the Bible and saying, it's the word of God. So it's true. Build your life on that. Yeah. And so obviously you were five years old, right? When this happens, which I mean, that I think it's just amazing that the Lord will give the understanding to a child of what it means to, you know, to give your life to Christ. Why do you need to give your life to Christ, right? To have that that understanding. Obviously, only the Lord can do that through his word. So just to show like how powerful the word of God is, um, especially because you said like I was hearing the word of God, like my whole, you know, since the moment, I guess, like since the moment you were born from your mom, like she's so passionate about the word of God um, and just to see that. So what about when your mom will see, you, you know, we all sin even after we give our life to Christ. So how would she confront sin in your life? How would she teach you like <laughs> about that? It, that is not okay. You know, like sure. why is it not okay? Yeah. You know, um, my mom, let's see, my parents, a, a funny aspect of my life was that we were from what I would consider to be a bit of a legalistic church. And so I wouldn't say, um, in other words, I, I, in other words, these are just facts. I'm not, I'm not even critical of it. It's just the way it was. <laughs> so, you know, um, if people can, if people are, are watching this on video rather than just listening to audio, they probably can see I've got tattoos and I wear black and whatever. I mean, we were, I was, my mom did not let me wear in black. You know, she was really like, uh, rock and roll was the worst thing the devil ever created. The only thing worse than rock and roll was Christian rock and roll. Um, and so they took me to, you know, like a 
I don't know if people even know in this program who Bill Gothard was, but we would go to Bill Gothard's seminars and they would give me all this literature and on things like that. So it was a, a bit of a legalistic church. And so I would say that when I would step out of line, I would say punishment was a, was a little harsh. <laughs> um, it, it wasn't always about grace, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And I'm not even I'm honestly not even critical of it, because if you go the other direction, you get into hyper grace and that's not um, a good thing either. So I will say that punishment was a, a little harsh. And one of the things that I think I've tried to do with my kids, I mean, when, when you have kids, for one thing, it makes you very gracious towards your own parents <laughs> because having kids is really hard. And, and you go, sometimes you just do really dumb stuff as a parent. You know, you get really mad at something that's just so insignificant or you're taking out your stress and your anxiety you know, you're not trusting God like you should, and you're stressed about bills or whatever, and you take it out on your kids, and you're like, oh my gosh, I am my dad now, you know, so there's this forgiveness that you begin to extend to your own parents, and then hopefully you go, okay, you know, there's some things that I want to do different than my parents, and so one of those things for me personally that I've tried to do with my kids, and I think I think that we did, was when they do something wrong, you, you have to confront it. It is not loving to, to just say, oh, I love you no matter what you do. Well, that's not loving. You have to confront your kids. You have to discipline them. You know, the Bible says the Lord disciplines those he loves. If God's not disciplining you, then then that's really bad news, okay? <laughs> that means yeah, may, maybe his affection is not upon you. So you want the discipline of the Lord because it shows that he loves you and he's committed to you. He's faithful to the work he started in you. It's the same with being a parent. But what I've tried with my kids is when I when they do something wrong to explain to them, not just you don't do that because I said so. I say you don't do that because I said so. But here's also the reason why it's going to hurt you. This is going to be bad for you or why it's against the law of God. That That's one that we talk about in my family a lot. The law of God says this. And so you're not allowed to do it. And if you do it, it's actually going to hurt you, not just spiritually. It's going to hurt you in this physical world. It's bad for you because God's law aims to protect you, you know, things like that. So I think that explaining, let me just say it like this. God's commands are not arbitrary. I think that's what I'm trying to say. His commands are not like, I don't know. I just don't want you to do that. So I said, no, so don't ever do it. They're not arbitrary because God created a moral universe he created a world that's supposed to work a certain way. And so then he says, okay, so I don't want you doing this because it offends my holiness. And it's going to hurt you if you do it because I've created the world and to, 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 have, to work in a certain way. Now you're working against the world I created. So you're going to suffer if you do those things. A, a great example of this is just sexual morality. So sex is created um, by God. And it's wonderful and it's meant to be enjoyed between one man and, and one woman in marriage covenant for life. It's a wonderful thing that God makes. So we tell our kids not to have sex before marriage, not to start messing with these deeds of the flesh. It's going to be bad for you. And the answer isn't just because I said so, because God doesn't like it. It also is going to have repercussions in this world that are going to hurt you. And so I think those are important things for parents to do.
Yeah. And I mean, and that that's part of like instructing your kids, right? In the word of God. It's not because I said so, but it's because the word of God says so, but this is why, you know, it's trying to protect you. The Lord, if the Lord says that do not do this, it's not because he just doesn't want you to do it. It's because he's trying to protect you, you know, and that's also right. to help you to also like to obey him. Uh, and and keep his you know his law obviously we can't keep his law perfectly that's why Christ had to come and 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 live the perfect life that none of us can can live right and that's why we are here sure. sharing the testimony of basically saying I can't do this on my own I am not capable of save myself I needed a savior and this is why we're here on every episode you know talking about just the goodness of God and uh just the uh, the plan of redemption that it's since the beginning of you know before the foundation of the world he chose those who will be saved but thinking about i i normally ask also here to share about their uh you know like their life before before christ and after christ obviously for you that was a little young and it's not like oh I, there was so much for me to experience in this world before I, I made this commitment, but I guess it's more, how do you see the word of God, you know, changing your life, changing your mind, uh, growing you, sanctifying you? Obviously, you say that once you get to high school, right, that's when, well, obviously things start getting not so passionate about right uh, and living it out. But can you just share it about that process for you in your life uh, of like, I guess it seems more like a roller coaster sometimes in our Christian walk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, I, I, you know, I always had a passion for God. I was always evangelistic. I never would deny Christ ever. Um, I think my whole life I've been publicly very, very unashamed of Christ. I knew those things, and I'm not bragging on myself. That's just that's just what I remember about my life. Mm -hmm. um, the bad side is that what I did not understand was the need to have holiness in my life. It's one thing to be unashamed for Jesus. Uh, to me, that was the easy part because I, I am so absolutely convinced that God is real. As I've said, I, I don't really think I've ever really doubted that. Not seriously. Mm. I'm absolutely convinced God is real. I'm absolutely convinced Jesus died on a cross for me and rose from the dead. I'm absolutely convinced about a lot of these things. I just wasn't absolutely convinced that that meant I needed to live a certain way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With yeah. sexual purity. I mean, you know, not cheating on tests, whatever it is that you're dealing with in seventh and eighth and ninth grade, the things that you watch, the, you know, uh, the things that you see. Of course, we didn't have cell phones or the internet back then, but for kids growing up today, it's the, it's, the things you see on these stupid cell phones that we have, you know, it, it's a whole different animal now, but it, but it's the same principles. Are you going to live as a Christian? So to me, being unashamed was easy, but living a sanctified, holy life under God, whoo, that was, that was a tough one. And tell you the truth, I wasn't even convinced that, that I really even needed to. Now, that's obviously an incredible misunderstanding of the gospel, but I think that it, frankly, in our I mean, I just think in our churches, I don't think that that always comes across in our in our teaching. You know, I think that we uh, and, and this is a huge generalization, but I think a lot of churches are so focused on talking about how God wants to make you feel good about yourself, how God wants to give you. Um, I don't I, I don't even know all the ways to say Hells, like, money. 
<laughs> yeah, well, of course, you have the prosperity side of that. When he basically he just wants to give you all the goodies, he's going to mm-hmm. give me all, all the stuff and the money, and it's going to yeah. be great and health and wealth and blessed. <laughs> yeah, there's the prosperity side. Or there's also the, I, I think I would call it almost like a psychology side. And I think that, frankly, I think I think a lot of men are drawn to the prosperity thing because of the idea of power and wealth. Men kind of like that. I think women are kind of drawn to the psychology side, which is that God tells me I'm enough. You know, it's like that sort of feminine, I'm enough. Self-love. Love. Yeah, love, love. I call it in my, yeah, I always go love, 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 love bunnies unicorns love you know it's like psychological awesome I'm, i feel so good and i'm and i'm living my best life all of these kinds of things as opposed to uh holiness you know who the church is supposed to be so i guess that that's part of my life i think that some of that is the roller coaster and i think you just touched on it so well why did jesus die jesus died for us because there's no way we can obey his commands perfectly. We just can't do it. Everybody, for all of sin, fallen short of the glory of God. No one can could live according to his law. Um, there's only one person who ever did that. And that, of course, was Jesus in the flesh, right? He lived, he fulfilled the law and, and, and whatnot. So we need Jesus. The part that I was not understanding, and frankly, the I, I there may be people listening now who don't understand this. And, and if you don't, then I'll, I'll share with you what became clear to me was that after I give my life to Jesus, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit that all of us have who are born again in Christ, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, he empowers us to, to, to obey God's commands. Mm-hmm. Not perfectly. We don't believe in perfection. You know, we don't believe that, oh, now I, I just never sin anymore. That's not what we're saying. But we have the power now to obey the commands of Christ in a way that we didn't have before we gave our life to Jesus. And not only that, not only do we have the power to do it, but also God begins to change our affections, um, which is, that's the theological term for it. But it just means, in other words, God starts to change the things you like. And then he starts, all of a sudden you start, you start disliking things that you used to like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, I can say, you know, uh, let's just say it like this. There are things that if I witness them with some of my friends, my friends who aren't saved would be like, I love that. That's wonderful. Um, I see it and I'm like, that is disgusting. That is such an offense to God. And it's an offense to even man. <laughs> this is so degrading to people. It's, 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 slavery it's sinful slavery and it's so gross but i know that that's not for me to brag on myself i would have thought it was awesome before too except that the holy spirit is doing a work in me that i'm becoming more like jesus and all of a sudden i hate the things that god hates and i love the things that god loved in a way that i that i couldn't i never would have so i just think that we need to focus and encourage christians that the power we have um, because of the death of Christ and then, of course, the gift of the spirit of Christ living inside of us, this cannot be exaggerated. And I think we need to talk more, more about that. Yeah, absolutely. And so so when you're in high school, then your mom had already, you said, passed away by that by that point as well. Oh, uh, yeah, my mom passed away uh, my freshman year of high school. Correct. OK, OK. So 
what happens with your life then, uh, you know, like after high school, uh, what are some of the things that you decide, you know, that you're doing? I mean, after high school, career wise, where is life? You know, where is the Lord moving you, you know, in life? <laughs> yeah. When I was 18, I graduated high school um, and I had a second major milestone in my life. I don't know what the right word for it is, but I had some sort of encounter with God that transformed my life. And I don't feel the need to, um, to have to call it by a certain name or a right. I don't know what it was, but I had an, an encounter with the Lord in which I really feel that I understood lordship in a way I had it before. I surrendered sinful things in my life. It was like all of a sudden like, oh, I am supposed to be um, radically passionate about what the Bible says. And that means putting away all idolatry and sins of the flesh and on all these lists of things the Bible says we have to then put off, I think is the language of the Bible, put them off, get rid of these things and begin to run the race. And I just got set on fire for Jesus. I don't know what the right language is. Doesn't matter to me. And I knew at that point that that I had always been unashamed for Christ, but I, I had not been living the Christian lifestyle. I ended up meeting a pastor too. Uh, long story short, because I was playing, I, I was playing in a Christian band, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't have looked over that. I, I forgot to tell you that I started playing in a Christian band when I was sixteen. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I I I forgot my own story. So I started playing. <laughs> You're in a good. Christian you band. can go back to that if you want. How you got to that? <laughs> how do you start? Yeah, yeah. So I I I I just loved music. Uh, my mom was a piano teacher and a voice teacher, mm -hmm. so I grew up playing the piano. I I play the piano. I play the trombone, which a lot of people don't know. And because uh, my you know my my parents always liked the idea of me playing in the church orchestra. <laughs> which is if people have ever seen skillet or heard skillet you might think it's kind of funny anyway so, um you know after my mom died um i began kind of singing in a band but i wanted to do christian music so that's actually a good example i wanted to be in a christian rock band because i wanted to tell people about jesus at the same time i wasn't really living a christian life so that kind of explains that sort of you know bifurcation i was trying to say a second ago Yeah. When I was 18 years old is when that, that changed. And I just, I never felt the same, you know, since after that. And I knew in my heart, I had a burning passion to tell people about Jesus through music. Mm. And I believed in, with all my heart, God wants me to do music. I don't know if I'll ever do music for a living, but I know I'm supposed to do that while I can. I've got a, I've got a gift. I've got talent to do that. It's a great way to share Jesus with people. And so that this sort of when my life began to really change. I met a pastor because my, my Christian band had come and played for his youth group when I was, that was before this experience I was saying to you, uh -huh. <clears throat> we played there. I had a, I had a good relationship with this pastor. He liked me a lot. Four months later, after this sort of surrendering my life to God in a, in a new, fresh way, I came and played again. And this pastor, after the concert, and I, and I, and I spoke that night, he came to me and he's like, what happened in your life? What, what has happened to you since the last time you played here? And I said, I don't know how to explain it. You know, this incredible thing happened. 
And he's like, you know what? This is good. Because he said, I know that you want to live for Jesus. I can see it in you. And he said, but I'm going to be honest with you. You're not living for Jesus. But I think that I can teach you how to do that. And so this pastor took me under his wing and he began to disciple me. Um, wow. And he began to teach me what the Bible says. We went through a great devotional series. It's the book. It's a famous book called Experiencing God. I don't know mm -hmm. if people know that. And uh, you go through and you you fill in the little, <laughs> you fill in the blanks with the devotional series. And oh, he taught me about the Lord and things like that. And it was just an incredible life-changing experience. And so what happened then after that experience? Like, um, are you still continuing in the band? Uh, are you still involved in music? Um, what's happening with oh, you? Right. Okay, so no, <laughs> yeah, you so, can keep going. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, uh, um, so I was playing in this band. It's not Skillet, so it's a a, a different band, mm -hmm. and um, becoming more part of this new church that I was going to. That was also when I, I got introduced to Reform theology, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I quite loved it. And, and the Bible began to make sense to me in a way I'd always heard the Bible from my mom. So I knew tons of Bible verses and, and I knew a lot of truth about, you know, Christ and, and, and the, the essentials of the faith. But it was really as I began to study reform theology under my pastor that I began to understand the power of the word of God in a new way. Mm -hmm. So I began to sort of understand. I don't know if this will make sense to people listening. Sometimes Christians can view the Bible, they might even call it the word of God, but they they still think that it's more like good advice, mm. more like more like they're axioms of truth. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and, and I wrote a book about this that came out in 2020. People can go to my we uh, website, johnlcooper.com to get it, or I think it's on Amazon. It's called Awake and Alive to Truth. And I wrote about this in the book because it was such a life changer for me. It's almost like sometimes we as Christians, we open the Bible and we're not saying it's not true. We know we believe it's true, but we think that they're axioms. They're sort of like when our parents are like, now, John, you better wear a raincoat. You better bring a raincoat because it's it's probably going to rain at two o'clock before school's done, you know, like that. And you're like, uh, I believe you're probably right. I don't know if I have to bring the raincoat. You're saying it's kind of a good idea. And I don't necessarily mind what's the worst that happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we kind of view the Bible sometimes as these axioms of truth. We're not saying it's not true. Mm -hmm. It's God's best, but there are other alternatives. Mm -hmm. And that is a wrong way, of course, of understanding the Bible. And so it was Reformed theology, uh, namely J.I. Packer, uh, who I read at the time. He had a book called, uh, he wrote a book called Knowing God mm -hmm. that really transformed my life. A.W. Tozer wrote a book called Pursuit of God and then The Knowledge of God. The Knowledge of God is, is Tozer's book on the attributes of God. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, <laughs> when I open up the Bible, it's as if God is speaking to me. This is it. God's in the room. These are his words. His words are inseparable from, from God himself. You can take these as authoritative They're not just good advice to bring the raincoat because it's probably going to rain. <laughs> This is the way it is. And that transformed the way I understood what the Bible is. Mm -hmm. And so that made me even more passionate about playing music because I'm like, if people knew how good God is, <laughs> if, if they knew 
how amazing it is that when life is going absolutely crazy, if a pandemic comes <laughs> and the government's trying to say well, you have to stay in your house for the next six months and you can't feed your family and they're going to force you to get jabs or all of a sudden your kids come home from school and they say there's 32 genders or fill in the blank. When all of this insanity is happening, guess what I can do? Are you telling me I can open up a book and it's as if I'm talking to the God of the universe? Or rather, he's talking to me, I guess you would say. I'm reading these books. I'm reading these words on a page. And you're telling me that I can bank on that for sure. It's the answers to how we make it through this insanity that we're living in. If people knew that, well, then they would want to know Jesus. I mean, nobody would say no to that, right? So I want to play music. I want to tell people this. And so I got serious about music. I was at college. I was a terrible college student. was failing out of school. And uh, I, I'm not I'm not very academic. And um, we got an opportunity to record a record. At, at the time, we basically started a side project. So it wasn't the band I was originally in. It was a side project. And again, it was my pastor who I told you kind of trained yeah. me in the Bible, who said, hey, John, I think you're a great singer. And he said, there's a guitar player from another band in church. Why don't you guys get together and do something on the side? I have a feeling you guys would work well together. So Skillet was a side project of other bands, which mm -hmm. is why we called it Skillet. And somebody said, hey, if you guys did start a side project, it'd be like taking all these different ingredients out of bands and throwing it in a Skillet and cooking up something new. And somebody said, hey, that'd be funny if you called it Skillet. And I, you know, I was like, okay, whatever, dude. Whatever, dude. I never thought it'd go anywhere. I just thought, we'll do a band and we'll, minister to some people i hope i hope play some some killer music and so we ended up doing skillet and very quickly it kind of we recorded a record and i was already failing out of school anyway and i just felt the leading of god that yeah i think we're supposed to try this and so skillet is uh in our 27th year now skillet is an enigma to everybody there's no there's no natural reason that skillet should have worked as well as Gillick got signed by Atlantic Records, and we're signed to a mainstream uh, label deal in 2003. And, you know, I, I, I and again, not bragging on Skillet, I think it's just fair to say, besides Striper, probably the most vocal, vocal crossover act of all time in terms of being bold about the faith, being bold about Christ, being unashamed of Christ. But we go and we play metal concerts. We play concerts with mostly with people who don't know Christ. So it's all an enigma. It's not possible outside of the providence of God. And um, that's what we love to do. In fact, you know, I saw on your, um, you posted a picture of me wearing my essential church yes. uh, t-shirt yes. on yeah. whatever social Grace media. Productions like, and Grace Productions. Productions and the essential church also, both accounts. <laughs> Okay, so yes. I went to the Grace one. And I was like, "Oh, cool!" They posted, and and I saw a couple of comments, and somebody on there said, uh, "How can you skill it? How can you play concerts with people who, you know, they cuss and they don't know God, and they have all these like, anti-Christian um, messages? How could you join yourself and compromise like that?" But Skillet's mission has always been to go into the world, be salt and light in the world and share Jesus and share Jesus with people that don't know him and they don't want to come to church. And so I understand that not everybody is into that idea, 
But that's what I've always believed we were called to. And that's what skill has done. And it's only been possible because of uh, the grace of God. It's just, it's kind of miraculous, actually. Yeah. And so your band, uh, Skillet, right? It's been, uh, so you guys has been uh, have been doing this since 1996 then? The band? Has been 1996. Yeah, 27 years. It's it's crazy. So crazy. Yeah. And you guys right now are like going on tours and things like that, right? Right now. I mean, I think you're even you guys are gonna be as we're recording, you guys are gonna be playing uh somewhere today. So th that's just amazing. Yeah, that's so, right. right. Um yeah, we, we tour a lot. Yeah, we, we actually tour all year long in mm -hmm. 2011 we were named the number seventh hardest working band in the world by billboard uh, magazine yeah. music magazine um that, that's the only thing we ever beat lady gaga at she she was number eight we were number seven <laughs> wow. and um yeah we tour all around the world um the only place we do christian concerts is in america and we are bigger in russia and in europe than we are in America, but wow. we do all rock shows in those other countries. We don't play, we don't do any Christian events or anything like that. We yeah. just do rock shows. We do metal shows and, and, and there, there's not as much of a Christian market per se, but they do have Christian events. And I, I just always believe we were, that we were called to the mainstream world in America. We do about 70% of our dates in the secular music world, about 30% of our dates. We do Christian events and things like that. Um, because I love the Christian music market. I love the people and I, I love families being able to come to events and, and, and that sort of thing. So yes, we tour relentlessly. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You guys are on the go. I mean, I, I'm following you on, on social media and seeing the post and everything. And I'm like, wow. And it's amazing to see that, right? Just like the many doors that the Lord is opening for you guys. And I'm even interested in hearing from you how have you seen the lord using this band for his kingdom like obviously like you said we are going into the mission field and that is the world the world is the mission field right that's where we go and proclaim the gospel of jesus christ and the lord has given us all different talents and skills that he uses for his glory and i mean that's what that's our prayer right that the lord will use whatever talents we have for his glory and not for our glory so how have you seen the lord using your team your band uh you know to proclaim the gospel um even what have been some of the challenges that you guys have faced also sure. as you do this yeah you know i mean honestly I, I could talk to you for two hours on this subject i've got so many crazy stories i love to boast in jesus christ on, on the works that he does <laughs> they they often they, they don't make any sense they don't make any natural sense they only make sense because God's providence and he does these incredible things. And the stories are, they're just really funny. I think I would probably start by saying that in the, in the, in the secular music world, I've got a lot of friends, I mean, lots of atheists. Some of them are anti overtly antichrist, meaning consciously they don't like Jesus as opposed to somebody that just doesn't believe in God, you know, mm. but they're my friends. I, I've got great friends there and we have these, very tolerant relationship where they're like, bro, you know, I don't like Jesus, but I like you and, and it's okay. And I say to them, hey, I know you don't like Jesus, but I love you too. We hang out. And I'm not, that's not to say there's never any, you know, issues, but there's some, but there is kind of a tolerance. And I like that. What I think some people don't understand is that if you go into the secular music world and play a, a metal show with fill in the blank, secular band, 
you don't really have to say very much about Christ to make a huge impact. Uh, my my art my situation is unique because my wife Corey is in the band, so we've been in the band together for 26 years. Well, think about how many people in Hollywood have been married for 26 years. I mean, most people in Hollywood are on their. I mean, I'm, it's a generalization, but second, third, fourth, fifth marriage and whatnot, or they live together, or this or the other, or they oh another, you know, another infidelity or or crazy yeah. story. Yeah. The fact that me and my wife are together. We raised our kids on the road. So my kids, ever since they were babies, have been on the road with these bands. And so one of the things I do when we play shows while we're performing, at some point in the show, I'll go over and I'll I'll kiss my wife on stage, you know, or something like that. And the crowd will go absolutely bonkers. And I think that what it speaks of is rock and roll mantra, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Mm. That's not what Skillet is about. And that we're, we want to play music, you know, and, and what they see is a marriage of, of faithfulness and they see something that whether or not they know it, mm -hmm. they think is beautiful because <laughs> the fruit of the gospel is actually beautiful. Yeah. Seeing someone in a faithful marriage for 20, 30, 40, 50 years is really beautiful, even to people who don't believe in monogamous relationships. It, it, there's something in them that yearns for that. The Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. And I think part of that is that even if they don't want to choose what is beautiful, there's a recognition of something that is transcendent. So you don't have to do a lot. If you're the only band on, it, let's say, if we go to a music festival, I know I'm rambling about this, but it's important. If we go to a music festival and there's, there's 10 heavy metal bands and we are the only band I mean, imagine, imagine you've watched five bands and for five bands in a row, they're saying the F word. They are asking girls to take their shirts off in the audience. They mm -hmm. are just being maybe filthy. They're talking about sexual things. They're talking about angry things. Some of them might say like F God in a song, whatever it is. And the sixth band comes up and all of a sudden there's no F words and there's no sexuality and in fact there's a celebration of a monogamous 20-year relationship of some and you're singing about the transcendent love of god you are a light in a dark place you don't have to give a full gospel presentation <laughs> to find out that there's something different happening here yeah. and that moves me in to the answer to your question i met i got an, an email from somebody who said they came to see us years ago in 2013 at one of these shows. He came to see the headlining band. And he said, before the headliner came up, this band called Skillet came up that he'd never heard of. And so, you know, if you're going for the headlining band, sometimes you're like, oh man, I got to sit through this. <laughs> I got to sit through this lame opening act just to get to the band that I don't even know who they are. I don't want to be here. And he said, during the concert, he didn't know how to explain it, but he had an overwhelming feeling that he needed to go to church and he didn't know. So all he did during the concert was text his only friend that he knew that went to church <laughs> and said, hey, I'm here to see this so-and-so band play. There's some band playing before them and I don't know why something is happening in me and I feel like I need to go to church. Yeah. And so his friend was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, went to church, got born again, and has sent me an email a year later about the incredible things that God's done in his life. You know, 
you can't explain that. I meet I meet people all the time um, on a tour. They come through a VIP. I met a guy who came to the VIP line and he said, you have no idea what your music meant to me. I was on the edge of committing suicide. I was listening to rock radio. Your song, we have a song called Monster. That's our biggest song. Your song Monster came on. And for anybody who doesn't know what the song Monster is, first of all, you should go listen to it because it's sick and cool. Uh, but the song Monster is talking about this, this, the fleshy part of you, the natural, the flesh, the part that wants to do bad stuff that you know you should never listen to. It's mm. it's about original sin, basically. And he heard this, I must confess, I feel like a monster. He didn't know skill it was, heard the song on the radio, and he said, that's it, I can't live like this anymore checked himself into a drug rehab. He was, a, he was a meth addict on the edge of suicide wow. at this clinic that he checked himself into. Not only did he get set free from addiction to meth, he, he met Jesus first. He gave his life to Christ in the facility, ended up getting rid of this meth addiction through the power of, of the spirit set free. And 10 years later, he is now a counselor at that same clinic. No way. Jesus. And he's like, that's because of your songs. You're, you're talking about a 50 year old grown man crying. And, and I'm sitting here thinking, because you heard a song on the radio, that's impossible. But this is what the Lord does. I mean, I could give you, I could talk for two hours about these stories, but there are some as well from some of the bands we've toured with that don't know Jesus. Um, some of the people we tour with have given their life to Christ. Um, one, one of the people we tour with had been backslidden for 20 years. Uh, his, his dad was a, a, a preacher. So his dad was a fire and brimstone preacher. He walked away from that was sex, drugs, rock and roll partying with the most party people ever. We toured together and he's like, you guys don't know how glad I'm in that you're touring with us. I'm, I'm trying to come back to Jesus. And he was still singing his old songs. Some of those songs had the F word. Some of those songs were not Christian. And we walked through it and we walked through it. We ended the tour on, a, on a, a good path. And I kept praying for the guy. Three years later, we performed again with this band. And uh, after our concert, so they played before us because we had gotten bigger than them over the last few years. They performed before us, still singing those songs, still singing the F word and sex, drugs, rock and roll. We went on and performed and he came up to me after the show weeping. And he said, I don't know how to explain what happened when I was, when I was watching your show. I said a few things about the Lord. I don't remember what they were. He was like, I don't know how to explain what happened. But I knew, Jordan, when you were talking, I knew God was telling me I've got to give up this music. So he just quit. Just, just quit the band. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not saying he should quit the band, but he came <laughs> to a place where he just said, you know what? I can't live this lifestyle anymore. And I don't really know what else to do. And uh, I think the first thing he did, actually, he started singing his same songs, but he was he was changing the bad words to be other kind of words. And then eventually he's like, this is stupid. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, I'm, I'm trying to polish something that's just, it's too ugly to polish. Mm -hmm. And I've just got to get out of this lifestyle. So we've seen that happen as well. So again, I want to make really clear, I would never brag on Skillet. And um, these are all miraculous works 
that only the power of the spirit can do because of, of the providence of God. That's it. Yeah. And the Lord, you are, you guys are the instruments that the Lord is using to further his kingdom. That's what it is because salvation belongs to the Lord. No man has the power to save anyone. I mean, come on, if I did have the power, I will be wanting to go and save my family, you know, like they're uh, not yeah. believers. And uh, yes, I, I will. Uh, that will be probably the first ones that I would go and be like, okay, you're safe. Like you need to be saved, you know, but I just share the gospel. Uh, like the only thing that we can do is share the gospel. Also live out a life that, you know, that shows the faith that we are proclaiming to have because it has to match you can't just like share the gospel and then your life it's completely opposite to what you're preaching basically to what you're sharing you know so i mean obviously the lord has given you guys such a you know big audience and all those people are watching your lives you know like even more pressure i guess <laughs> <laughs> on your guys's life right now that like we need to pretend to be this perfect little whatever you know but uh we know that we are only able to overcome sin and to you know flee temptation because of the power of the holy spirit and obviously the word of god not because we are superman or some superheroes whatever you know that we have some superpower to be able to do that but it's just amazing to see and you know that's what i love about hearing about uh, people's testimony because it's nothing that they can, that we can do. It's all, uh, you know, it's all because of the power of God. It's all, all credit to him, not to any of us. And, and that's why I'm, you know, even asking about, uh, especially because like you mentioned earlier, like someone commented about why are you guys singing with all these people who are not believers? Basically, why are you mingling with this band where we're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world, but we have a mission that we have been given and that, you know, Matthew 28 go and make, you know, disciples basically preach the gospel and make disciples in all the nations, you know, basically proclaiming the good news. So how are you going to do that? Well, I think that's the way that you guys are doing it with the skills and talents that the Lord have given you. And I think I've seen, honestly, uh, a lot of our friends, common friends that we have on social media. And I've seen them uh, sharing your guys's posts, especially like videos, I guess, from, uh, you know, from your concerts. And they, you know, one of the things that I love that they mentioned, I love how you guys are so bold to proclaim the gospel and to share and speak of Christ in your concerts. And for me, I don't think I've ever listened to uh to rock I, I i didn't grow up like, like that. i do have a friend that she is like she goes to concerts like she goes to this concert she's a believer and all of that so she follows some like other christian bands as well and i'm like uh, i don't think that will be something that i would have chosen to listen to but that's awesome and my friend is emily that's the one that i'm hopefully i'll tell her about it but she was like all about it she's crazy about it and she's just like i am so amazed you know like how they're using their music just for christ and that's what i love to see especially because that's the kind of music that, that that she that she likes and i think it is important what we're listening to right i think it, it's really important what we're feeding our minds also or as believers for example why is it important that we are careful and uh you know, uh, in discerning what kind of music even we should be listening to i mean i'm not to say like I'm not listening to 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 secular music or anything like that. But there are other, I guess, uh, Christians, right? Christian bands that they have Christian music. But should we care about that? Should we care about yeah, um, kind I of know music? What you mean. I find that the 
I, I find this to be one of those issues and, 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 and I'll just admit on the front end, not everybody's going to agree with what I have to say about this. All right. Mm-hmm. I find it personally to be sort of, maybe I would put it in the bucket of the, um, you know, in the book of Romans, we, we see like, Hey, some people are not going to feel good about eating me, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, or, or, or drink, you know, don't, don't, don't drink wine or eat meat. If it's going to offend a brother, doesn't mean it's right for everybody. It's going to, different people are going to be affected by different ways from different things. And I say that because when I listen to music, um, for instance, I I really love lyrics. You know, that's always been a thing I like. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it could be, let's just say it's my wife's favorite band. Let's say that she's like, this is my favorite band. And later I'll say, man, I love that lyric. And I'll repeat the lyric and she'll be like, who's, who's that from? And I'll be like, (laughs) from your favorite band man what do you mean and she's like oh i don't ever really listen to lyrics you know she listens to the way to to the way the the music is composed she's like i respond to it i'm I'm provoked by the music you know and and um she's artistic like that i'm i'm a little bit more literal you know i'm a little bit like yeah but why are they saying those words what does that word mean and Mm. so i think that people are affected by music in different ways um i've known people that when they got saved or, or, or when they got more serious with the Lord, they were like, I cannot listen to my old music because the, their old music is tied into a, an identity for them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like, that's who I used to be. And that's the music I listen to when I get high. That was the music I listened to when I would get drunk or whatever it was. And it's very much tied into for them um, what the Bible calls the old man, you know, their life before Christ. For other people, I would say it's a little bit like to the pure, all things are pure. Um, And I'm not trying to say that means that there are no limits. All that I'm trying to say is for some people, they're like, oh, that wasn't my my lifestyle. So for me personally, um, I mean, I got saved at such a young age that rock and roll to me was never about sex, drugs, rock and roll. I didn't even understand what that mantra meant, because Mm -hmm. to me, rock and roll was about it made me feel good. It made me want to, um, I started listening to rock music in, in the gym with my friends when we started working out, you know, most guys go through a period when they're about seventh or eighth grade, a lot of guys, well, my generation, I don't know what new guys are like, good Lord. <laughs> but, but my generation around eighth grade is when you started, you, it was the eighties. So you wanted to look like Sylvester Stallone or like Arnold, you know, you wanted to be huge, you wanted to be ripped. And so you go to the gym and people would turn on Metallica or Megadeth, like these metal bands, because it made you feel adrenalized, you know? And so to me, it was metal was never about sex and drugs. It was about lifting weights and it was about football and it was about driving a car fast (laughs) So um, I, opposite. <laughs> I guess I'm just saying, I do think, yeah, I think music is important. I do think there's an element here of, of issues of conscience, I think for sure. But in raising my own children, I, I said, I, I want to know everything you're listening to uh, because those messages really get into people's brains and music now. I mean, when we, when I was growing up, of course, music was sexualized, but it, it at least was a bit hidden. And now it's it's bragged about. It's tough not to think of this, of the Bible verse that says, you know, 
Were they ashamed when they did abomination? No, they they've lost. They don't even know how to blush, is what uh, the prophet uh, was it Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah is. They don't even know how to blush anymore. Now people are very overt about mm -hmm. this stuff, and so all that to say, yes, it matters. I do think we have to have grace for for people about their their level of of issue of conscience and. If they're like, I don't even know what those lyrics are saying. I'm going to the gym. I don't really know. Um, but to think that day after day after day, you can constantly put bad stuff in your head and never put good stuff in your bad name, uh, head, name of the word of God. That's a real mistake. I will say my personal opinion is that that there that it also changes because I think it's a little different for young people than older people, because, you know. Science show if you if you read the science and which I think is kind of interesting and the psychology on this, you know they say that every pretty much uh, pretty much all people will will never like any other music more than they like what they liked from ages thirteen to fifteen. Mm -hmm. That is go that's like your identifier because you are you're coming into your own personality. You're deciding who you're going to be. You're beginning to you know, uh, to, to kind of part from your parents. Like I, my parents told me to do all these things and now I got to make some decisions for myself. Who am I? How do my friends experience me? Where do I belong in my social sphere? You're coming into all these things. And so that music that you identify with, they say psychologically, nothing will ever be better than that to you, which is why every generation says, music today is no good. It was better when I was a kid. You know, every generation says that. And yeah. so therefore- if you've got kids, you need to be awfully serious about what these kids are listening to, especially as they're entering this tween years and then into the teenage years, because they're going to be looking for identity. And we absolutely need to make sure that that, that is in, in wholesome things rather than evil things. Yeah. All right. So I think we can get then to our signature question for the podcast. Any uh, favorite books that you have? Any any books that have been helpful for you, John? You know, I mentioned a couple already, and um, but I'll mention them again. A.W. Tozer's Pursuit of God and his other book, Knowledge of the Holy. Those two books were transformative for me. Mm -hmm. J.I. Packer, uh, Knowing God. And I have friends of mine that are like, oh my gosh, this blew me away. Like th th these are these are evergreens. Like they're, they're never going to not just blow you away, you know? So those to me were very like foundational, very important books. Mm -hmm. um, I probably would stick with those. It's just, okay. Otherwise I'll give people too much information. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some people that they actually go and buy the books right after they listen to them on the podcast. They've told me. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I mean, I always do that. Every time I listen to um to ju uh, just thinking podcast, I end up buying three Puritan books, you know, um, every every time. But but the truth is, is if if people were saying, hey, okay, what are some other books? I would put Holiness from J C Ryle, R Y L E, is is on my list of of you know top eight books of all time. And um, that was one that I got from Daryl Harrison. So there you go. <laughs> and actually talking about books, then, uh, yes, I want you to talk a little bit about the book that you mentioned um, that you released. And I know that you have another one coming up, but Awake and Alive to Truth. What is this book about? And then again, if people want to buy them, I have the link here on the description. But yeah, what is this book about? Awake and Alive to Truth was written because 
probably a lot of people watching this are are sort of aware of the phenomenon that that really has happened. I would I would put it from 2015 to now. There's this sort of deconstruction in Christianity. I call it deconstruction. This move towards progressive Christianity. Most people, if you're in church, you've you've experienced this thing where people that you thought were really solid in Christ have now sort of forsaken a lot of the times key aspects of the faith for instance maybe they all, all of a sudden don't believe in hell mm -hmm. so they don't believe in 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 like the final judgment you know or they don't believe in the literal resurrection of christ there there are these kind of things usually what happens though is that they they begin that journey towards deconstruction by um by rejecting moral commands of Christ, namely, I would say in, in the sexuality, gender arena, they probably become sort of pro-LGBT um, or pro-whatever, pro-LGBT pride or trans or whatever it is, They and they don't like what the Bible says about biblical sexuality. And so then they start looking for reasons to say that you don't have to literally believe what the Bible says about sexuality. And once you don't literally believe that, then there's really no reason to literally believe lots of other things about the Bible and they end up losing their faith. So I wanted to write a book that was about simple, I call it theology for dummies. My book is theology for dummies. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be academic. I already told you I failed out of college to understand the Bible. To understand the Bible, you need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you, you need to be born again. You need the Holy Spirit. And you all of a sudden, like things become really, really clear, right? So it, it's theology for dummies. It's for, you can, 13, 14, 15 year old people can understand what the book's about. And we just talk about uh, the, the, the two different ways you can find truth. One of them leads to life. The other one leads to death. Um, the way to find truth is through the scriptures, trusting in the Lord. And so throughout the book, I write why you can't trust your emotions. Yeah, but I just feel like this has to be right. Nope, can't trust that. And we talk about original sin. And so like these kind of basic concepts, total, deprav total depravity uh, and, and, and yada, yada. The other way, that the world is telling you to find truth is to, to find it through your feelings, mm -hmm. through your experience or through just the way you want the world to be, <laughs> you know, well, I don't want it to be true that anyone that goes to hell. I don't want that to be true. So it can't be because that just doesn't feel right to me. Well, that's not going to lead you to truth. And, and, and so that's what the Bible does. It's a very simple book. It's about 120 pages. Um, but what I found shockingly is that lots of people I know who have been saved for 20 or 30 years said to me after reading the book, they're like, I had no idea that uh, about some of these things. And, and, and I thought that was really wonderful. The sad thing is that they're very basic theological concepts, but, you know, one of the first things we talked about on this episode was what is the Bible? Is it axioms of truth? Or is it the written word of God, the foundation for your life? You'll be amazed at the amount of Christians who have sat in churches for 20, 30 years that have never really understood that. And so uh, 
I'm really thankful God's used it. So go check out that book. I've got a new book coming out. Um, it's it's going to be announced very, very soon, like any day now. And it comes out in November. It's a way different subject. The name of the book is Wimpy, Weak, and Woke. And uh, the subtitle is How Truth Can Save America from Utopian Destruction. And the idea of this book is very different. And it's a, it's, it's a more academic book and it's more philosophical. But it's basically saying that right now we are experiencing in America a real, I, I call it a war of war between gods the, uh, happening. It's between the living God and the God of man, L little g God of man, man with a capital M. Man is becoming God. We like our ideas. We think we can fix the world. We don't think we need the Bible to do this. Even a lot of Christians, unfortunately, are going down that path. They still believe in Jesus as their savior for heaven, but, but not to instruct me on earth. And that is a very dangerous place. So in this book, I, I go into depth about um, a, where these philosophy, a lot of these philosophies come from. Marxism, uh, critical theory, critical race theory, the sexual revolution. And, um, and I'm trying to make a positive case for the word of God being a light to our feet, not just to get me into heaven, but a light to my feet on earth. Amen. All right. So that this book comes out in November. So uh, again, they can go to your website, right, to to get the book if they, whenever it comes out. OK, and the link will be here again on the description. And now three things that bring you joy. That bring me joy. Yes. <laughs> three well, things. Not a list. Okay. Three. <laughs> I will say um, number one, um, the Bible. And that's not my good Sunday school answer, because there are probably a lot of times in my life when I would not have said the Bible. And I found out now that I need it more than I ever thought I needed it then. Um, my family, I'll lump my family all in together. My wife, my kids. I mean, un, uh, you know, <laughs> explainable um, how wonderful it is having a great family. And um, you know what? Rock music. Rock music brings me a lot of joy. I love it. I love it. makes me want to work out. Makes me run a little farther when I go for my runs in the morning. And makes me lift a little more if I'm at the gym. Yeah, if I have if I have a vacation, I need my rock and roll music by the pool. You know, I oh. love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, and my final question again, it's in regards to the same person that we've been, you know, talking and pointing people to. That is Jesus Christ. If anyone doesn't know Christ, who might be listening probably for the first time. And, you know, they're like, why are you guys always talking about Jesus? So why is it that every person, every human being on our planet Earth needs uh, Jesus? Why do we need Jesus Christ? Well, gosh, there's there's a lot of answers to that. I mean, I suppose the, the best answer, really, and I would say the most technically true answer is that we need Jesus Christ because we are separated from God uh, without him. That is a really scary place to be. It means you are, you're, you're being flown, <laughs> you're being flown, tumbling through existence, which is obviously maddening and chaotic and confusing, not tethered to, to the God of the universe, not in a right relationship. And that's, that's why you're created. So I think if I, if the, the, the best Bible answer for that is to say you're created 
for a purpose. That purpose is to have a relationship with the one who created you. And that's so beautiful. And that's so wonderful. And if you think about it like that, it's like super obvious, <laughs> right? It's super obvious. Why are you created? Oh, to know the one that created you. It's wonderful. The problem is, is that our sin has separated us from God. We don't like, we talked about it earlier in the episode. We don't like the things that God likes because of our sin. We like things that God doesn't like. You know, we, if I, if my neighbor has something and I really, really, really want it, well, I think I might like going over there and taking it from them. Maybe they'd never know about it. Maybe they have too much money. Maybe they don't need all the money they have and it's a little too much. And they're not even going to notice if I steal some of it. And I think that would make me feel really good. And so you think it's going to make you feel good. So you do it. Well, that's something that God hates. I think that, that, that when we say, why do we need Jesus? Jesus died so that we could be not just forgiven for those trespasses against God, but so that we could be made new. And so that we could now be given a new nature that enjoys the things that God enjoys. You know, we talked about J.C. Ryle, his book, Holiness. In his book, J.C. Ryle, he says, basically, we're here on earth. After you give your life to Jesus, the reason you don't just die and go be with Jesus, the reason you're still here, one of those reasons is to become sanctified so that you can begin to enjoy the things that God enjoys. Otherwise, you wouldn't even like being in heaven. <laughs> you go to heaven and you're like, well, so the true. things I really enjoy are stealing from my neighbors and, and having promiscuous sex or fill in the blank with whatever it is that makes you have money and power and lording power over other people, enslaving other human beings, and all the evil things that have happened in the world. Well, you're not going to enjoy heaven very much then because that's not what's going to be happening in heaven. So I think that that's the best technical answer. Now, somebody that I just met on the street was just like, oh, dude, John, I don't even know why I even need Jesus. I would probably even give a less technical answer. I probably would just say, how is your life going right now? Like, how's it go? How's it going? How are your kids doing? Like, are they just thriving and everybody's super duper happy? Or does it seem a little bit like things in America are getting so insane? I mean, if you listen to one news source, you're, they're going to tell you that abortion is murder. If you listen to another news source, they're going to tell you that abortion is justice. That happens on every issue there. You don't even know which way is up or down. And life is getting worse and it's getting evil and you don't know what to do. That's because you don't have a foundation for truth in your life and you don't know who to believe. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And when you give your life to Jesus, he begins to give you a foundation to understand what is true and what is false. I would probably say it like that to an everyday person. Amen. So true. And thank you so much, brother, again, for joining me. It's been such a joy to uh, finally get to know you and uh, especially hear your testimony and just what the Lord is doing through you, through your life. And I just pray that the Lord continue to be glorified through everything that you guys are doing, that he will bless all this tours that you guys are doing and uh, you know that he will continue to be using you guys to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ um, and friends if you want to uh, find uh, John you can just uh, go on the links here in the description uh, whether it's for his books or uh, on social media or even his podcast or 
anything that he's doing at this moment so yeah just make sure to go on the links here in the description so before we go john can you please close us in prayer sure i can do that as we started the program earlier we talked about salvation and how every single person that knows you has an incredible story such an amazing story that you have put your affection on us you put your favor on us and you you sought after us and it is, we are so thankful for it. it is absolutely wonderful i pray for people watching the the program today who don't know you pray that they would come to a knowledge of you that they would say oh yeah I'm, that's right i'm it, i'm created by a creator and i need to have a relationship with that creator that makes so much sense i pray they would understand the story of the bible and why it matters and why it brings order to this and the, the insanity of this world i pray for people who are struggling who are suffering. I don't know what their situation is, but they're suffering in the world we are living in now and they can't make heads or tails of it. I pray that they would come to, to the light of the gospel, to the one who, who says peace. And um, I just wanna thank you for uh, a great conversation that I hope encourages lots and lots of believers as they're watching it to see um, uh, the work of th that you've done in their lives and how they are they're moving from glory to glory and into new levels of holiness and new levels of obedience to your word. Uh, lastly, I wanna pray for people who are Christians and who d do read their Bible, maybe sometimes, maybe they say, yeah, I do, but maybe not enough. But I pray for people, they will begin to understand what your word really is, that it is the foundation for our lives and, and the word is inseparable from you, God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.